0: Just to let you guys know, this is going to be a two-part episode that we recorded while Brad and I were in the same room together in the same place at the same time, and we just talked for so damn long about these movies that we had to make it a two-part episode. So please enjoy part one, and we'll come back for part two. It's going to be the monster mashups. Enjoy.
1: Adventures in time and space told in future tense All radio is
0: dead They're coming to get you, Barbara
1: Look, there comes one of them now
0: And we're back. <laughs> uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Brad. And risen from the coffin, we are the Nosferat dudes So we are live. This is our first live <laughs> dudes episode. Actually, we're pre-recording it, but we we're live. We're live. We're in the same room. We're in the same room. And uh, happy Halloween to everyone.
2: Yes, yeah, happy Halloween.
0: Happy Halloween. It is. It is the the weekend. Before Halloween, officially Halloween weekend. Uh, since Halloween's on a Tuesday, which is lame. Well,
2: that's <laughs> just the calendar. I mean, you know, it is what it is. <laughs>
0: you got to blame the Romans. I know. That's right. Um, so, Brad, what are we what are we discussing for our uh, Halloween-y episode here?
2: Well, we're going to be discussing uh, monster mashups. Um and specifically focusing on a few movies. Um Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, uh Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and Freddy versus Jason.
0: Yeah, yeah, and there's lots of others out there. There's like Godzilla versus Kong right. and and, you know, multiple iterations of all these uh stories. We're gonna be light on background on these. Sure. Uh, because in the lead up to Halloween, I've done no research.
2: <laughs> well, it's a busy time of year, uh, especially for you and Jen, yeah. uh, leading up to your, your annual Halloween party. So obviously you've been preoccupied with that. And then, you know, I come down and you have to entertain me. <laughs> I
0: have to do a tap dance. Yeah,
2: that's right. So, um, but I think, you know, we, we've seen these movies, you know, so many times, um, we can probably talk about some things like the you know, uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman I believe is forty three, nineteen forty three. So you're talking um some years after um the original Universal Monsters, if we're just gonna get into it. So your Dracula came out in nineteen thirty one, Frankenstein in nineteen thirty one, and then the Wolfman didn't come out until I think nineteen forty one. Yeah. Um but uh, but this is some years after Uh, After the original Dracula and the original Frankenstein.
0: Yeah, this is actually, this is after, in this film, you know, you hear Frankenstein, immediately everybody thinks, well, you hear Universal Pictures, Frankenstein, everybody thinks Boris Karloff. Right. But in this one, it's actually Bela Lugosi.
2: Frankenstein meets Wolfman.
0: Because, yeah, because Boris Karloff had given up the role. He didn't want to be Frankenstein anymore he wanted to move on to other things not that he had totally given up on being in universal horror pictures or anything like that he just was like I I'm done with I
2: could do other things yeah
0: I'm done with the monster I'm done with a mute you know like that was the big thing to get him back for Bride of Frankenstein he was like I have to have lines like Mm -hmm. you know in the book the the monster talks
2: well, in the book, the monster's intelligent. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, he's got a
0: human, that's the thing. He's got a human, a viable human brain. Right. And so he, he he's, at first he's like an infant, right. but he learns quickly, like the some of the memory of language and things like that come back fairly fast. Right. And so, yeah, he's able to eloquently express himself mm. to Victor Frankenstein. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Yeah, but, the way that Universal developed these movies, um, they they did develop them more loosely based on Dracula and loosely based on on Frankenstein. Um, the idea of a scientist, a doctor creating a monster, and and you know, and then everything else is kind of different. You know, yeah. so Universal has its own. Um, Kind of uh, feel about it uh, about these characters as opposed to the books.
0: Yeah, yeah, they put the they definitely put their their stamp on it, um, and that seems to be almost intentional. I, I think that a lot of the directors and producers at Universal, uh, Todd Browning, James Whale, they didn't want to just rehash the novels. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted to do something more artistic and you know for James Whale having the monster be mute initially
2: mm-hmm.
0: was beneficial to the what he wanted to express in his film.
2: Right. It's funny it's and um even though um there's a departure from the from the book Frankenstein to the movie Frankenstein they still do leave the monster as kind of this more sympathetic character I guess. I mean he's less sympathetic in the book but um, it, they, they do keep like the book is very powerful it's a very um, uh, it's a great read uh, it's a very powerful book uh, if you if you have a chance go back and read it and then the movie Frankenstein is is the best out of out of the Universal monster pictures I would think it's the deepest. Yeah, it's it's got the most emotion attached to it. And um, Dracula is just more spooky, right? We talked about that before. Dracula is a spooky character. He's a scary character. Frankenstein, there's a lot of layers in that movie. And then the Wolfman is just kind of, you know, fun. Well, and
0: and the Wolfman was the one that was uh, not based off of... uh, a novelization, a direct novelization sure, of anything. Right. The Wolfman was based off of... Um, if you think about who was making these pictures at the time, a lot of the people who were involved in film production during that 30s and 40s time period, it was a lot of immigrants. And they're coming over and they're coming from places like uh, Poland, Hungary, uh, Czechoslovakia, a lot of these Eastern European countries um, and to, to put it bluntly there they were a lot of them were fleeing fascism
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, so they were coming over here to you know the land of freedom America and they had fallen in love with motion pictures you know they saw the silent film era stuff and they wanted to make movies and so a lot of the people producing these films are peppering in the uh, things from their Eastern European cultures Mm -hmm. and the werewolf was one of those. Sure. Like, you know, but before the wolf man, there Americans had very little concept of lycanthropy or any, you know, any of that stuff, any of the, the lore of the werewolf. And so to see the wolf man, you know, on the big screen, that was like a huge thing, right? you know, but so that's, they had to craft a story around that. Right. So so we get, you know, uh, of course, you know, you've got in the original Frankenstein, Boris Karloff, the original Dracula, Bela Lugosi, Lon Chaney Jr. as the Wolfman. Those are like the big three. Boris Karloff comes back to do like the mummy. There, right. There's other, there's, there's sort of like those are the big three, Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman. Right. And then there's what were the kind of less popular, what you might consider secondary characters. You had Claude Rains as the Invisible Man. Yep. Um you had a couple iterations of Jekyll and Hyde, but there wasn't uh the Jekyll and Hyde stories didn't really hit as big right. as some of these others and then of course, much later in the sixties then you you get the creature from the black lagoon right. um and that was a, a very that was a very 60s concept. That's like, you know, people out adventuring, you know, on 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 boats down in like the, you know, South America right. and like you know, they're having little little getaway adventures and things yeah. and they discover this creature. But these were to 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 put some some context on it um for people of our generation, the uh the comparison would be Michael Myers' Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. Right. They were our big three growing up. And then today, somebody of, uh, you know, the current generation, think of the conjuring movies or insidious or something like that. Like how big that lore is right now, how big the, the Warrens have become in horror film culture of like today's generation. Um, you know, and, and just ghosts and possessions and things. That's, like, kind of hot topic right now. Um, that's, that would be the comparison. is like, how much you're invested in Insidious and The Conjuring and, you know, all the tangential Annabelle and, <laughs> you know, the Annabelle movies that are a, a, a spin off of those. And The Nun, you know, The Nun 2 just came out uh, just recently. So even though for us, we're not as interested in stuff like that, but that would be a comparison of how big the Universal Monster films were.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah.
1: You
0: know, how the popular, the popularity of them. Absolutely. So along with that comes, of course, you know, once they make these movies and they're like super successful, well, then where do we go? Where do we go from here? Right. We,
2: How can we make more money off of these characters? Exactly,
0: right. exactly, because movies are a business. Maybe they're a business. They and look at them as investments. Yep,
2: it was It was always something that um, when we used to see, Em and I used to see the uh, Marvel movies together in the theater, and they were always said to me, oh, I don't know if they're going to, what they're gonna make next, and or or we would see Halloween, and oh, I think there's nothing they could do after that. And I always I always said, if there's more money to be made, the characters will come back. Yeah. So if you know if they can make you know a Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, and it makes money, they're gonna keep making these kinds of movies. You know, Freddy versus Jason. Um, eventually, I think they'll probably make you know another. Another one. Once they get these the rights figured out, because really that's what's been holding all these franchises up. It's not their popularity so much as it is the rights, the rights wars. Um, what's well, because that, of the value lawsuit, the the perceived the value, value of these. Of these they're willing to go to right. court
0: and fight yep. to get control right. of these properties, right. and it's whoever has the most money. In many right. cases, is going to win. Right. Yep. Um, who has uh, the Camp Crystal Lake?
2: Well, that would be Victor be, Miller. That would be uh,
0: NBC Universal, though, right? Because that's going to be on. Uh, it's going to be on Peacock. Yeah, so that's NBC so they have, Universal. Yeah, so
2: they got the rights um, um, from. Well, Victor Miller won the uh, won the lawsuit
0: because he was the writer, right?
2: He was the writer on the original um, Friday the Thirteenth movie, so he has actually no rights to Adult Jason. So the the, hockey, the, the, the hockey classic mask. hockey mask Correct. and all that kind of stuff what right. be,
0: what became the image of Jason Voorhees right. later not on
2: Victor Miller but what they're doing with this TV series is they're going to go back it's going to be a prequel so all of that is based on Victor Miller's story so that's why he's he's an executive producer on that on yeah. that series so they came to that agreement so now Friday the 13th is going to be um, back in, in some form, it's going to be back in the TV series. Eventually, you're going to get a movie. You're going to get Jason. Yeah, back you on have the to. You again. have to assume
0: that that the people who have the rights to—they're your...
2: absolutely dying to get yeah. to get him back on the screen. And it's the same thing for Freddy Krueger. It was Wes Craven passed away, and his estate had the rights reverted back to the to the estate, and and they were um, hearing pitches for a new Nightmare on Elm Street concept um now i don't think they settled on anything at this point um because i haven't heard any news on it um but again as soon as they hear something they like you're gonna and and i guarantee you if if um if the crystal lake series is successful and you'll see an elm miramax street just got series the, yeah because miramax just got the uh the tv rights to halloween And that's the plan for that franchise, is to turn that into a TV series. So if those are successful, you are absolutely going to get some kind of Nightmare on Elm Street TV series. Um, Streaming, that's the way entertainment is going now. So they have to keep up. They have to modernize. They can keep pumping out movies, but they're going to have to get into the TV game at some point, the streaming game at some point. And now they're doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah and and like we see with so many of these movies they're they're out in the theater for like at most a month and then and they're then on they're, streaming and then they're because on they streaming.
2: know that people aren't really going to the theater all that much anymore.
0: But uh so yeah the because of the popularity because of how big these films were you know you start to get um you get uh, Son of Frankenstein which was the basis for Young Frankenstein right. the Mel Brooks film. Right. Um so eventually, at some point, they're 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 pumping these for all they're worth, mm-hmm. and then they're like, "Well, where do we go next?
1: Mm.
0: Well, let's have two of them meet up,
2: right? Sure,
0: you know, it's where most writers' minds would go. Is that'll get know, butts in the seats? Yeah, you know, and so you get Frankenstein meets the werewolf mm. or the Wolfman. Yep. So and
2: this is where story is gonna suffer. Right? Right. So there's a trade-off here. So when you watch these movies, you have to understand that there's a trade-off, right? The trade-off is you get two or three, you know, in in the case of Abbott and Costello, three of your favorite characters on screen interacting with each other, which is super fun and super exciting, right? Right. But in order to figure out a way to get all of these characters on screen interacting with each other you have to come up with quite a story which is usually kind of really out there and doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense right. but you're just going to go with it because you just want to see Frankenstein and the wolfman or Freddy versus Jason that's that's all you want And
0: and especially so if you've seen Freddy versus Jason you know the 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 hoops and fences that they had to jump through and over
1: Mm. to bring together Freddy versus
0: Jason. That
2: was a nightmare. Yep.
0: Uh, so, so it's even, it's even a little bit worse with Frankenstein meets the Wolfman Mm. because the Wolfman spoiler alert dies at the end of The Wolfman. Right. He's literally beaten to death with a silver-headed cane by, by his, his own father, father Claude right. Rains. Yep. And uh, Claude Rains, by the way, can we say Claude Rains is probably one of the best actors in oh all of Universal goodness. Pictures.
2: It is a pleasure to watch him yeah. act. It, it, it really is. If you haven't
0: seen him in, in Phantom of the Opera, mm. like, because Invisible Man, you don't really see him. You don't see him. But you, you hear him. You hear he him. His, his performance is amazing. It's amazing, yeah. Like, the fact that he's literally, at one point when the Invisible Man is going, like, insane, yeah. he's talking about, you know, even the moon will be jealous of me, and he, like, delivers it yeah. in a believable, sure. you know, lunatic way.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but if you haven't seen him in Phantom of the Opera, uh, Claude Rains, the Claude Rains Phantom of the Opera is um, amazing. Yeah. Um, it's a little thick on the opera in the middle, There's a little too much of the singing in the middle. Sometimes they did that in Universal Pictures and in older films in general. You would have a, in uh, Frankenstein, uh, or no, it's Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. There's like a musical number in the middle of it, you know? And so, uh, but Claude Rains as the Phantom is just amazing. Like his voice, that delivery. So I just had to have that side note. Claude Rains, awesome. (laughs)
2: <laughs> and, the, and just one more note on Claude Rains, so if you watch The uh, the Wolfman um, the difference the separation right, you know what I'm going you know know know. okay. the separation <laughs> in, uh, in terms of acting ability between Claude Rains and Lon Chaney Jr. is vast <laughs> oh wow they are worlds apart because um, I don't. I I think you have the same opinion that I do. Um, Lon Chaney Jr. He tries. Was, he he tries. tries. The character is interesting, um, but I, I he's not very good, right? If you're looking, okay. if you're looking for, is is if, if
0: you're looking for a a performance of Lawrence Talbot, yeah. that has depth to it. Mm go see the Benicio del Toro wolfman right
2: sure right because because um it, and and we're t- cuz we're talking about all these different universal monsters dracula and, and the invisible man and and frankenstein boris karloff as frankenstein in the original even though he's mute right Gives this amazing performance, oh, Bella yeah. Lugosi in now, and we'll talk about Evan Costello, yeah. Bela Lugosi versus Dracula uh, versus the original 1931 movie. But in the 1931 movie, he is captivating; like he is just you're so drawn to Bella Lugosi in that performance, and 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 and, and, th- and, and they just. But, but my point is, is that Karloff and and Lugosi just. Nail it, like they yeah. just like they own it. They take complete ownership of those roles, and Lon Chaney Jr. only only quote unquote maybe takes ownership of the role because they keep putting him in the role. Yeah, like they just I, I for continuity, you know, or whatever. I I don't know. Well, and and I th- well I think because he uh, wasn't his father. I
0: think part <laughs> of the point is mm-hmm. it, is that he because his acting chops weren't. On par with these other guys, like not he, even close. He wasn't getting offered to do much else other the than Wolfman. Wolfman and other Universal monster pictures, right? Like once he made his name as Lon Chaney Jr., you know, mm-hmm. even though he didn't like having to, you know, use the name to get the foot in the door, right. but he did. And once he was in there, then that's all they want. Uh, Okay, it's, you know, the name Lon Chaney with a a monster picture, that's going to sell.
2: Right. Do we have to explain who Lon Chaney Sr. is?
0: I think we probably do. There's probably some people that would listen to this that don't know. So Lon Chaney, uh, Lon Chaney, the father, Sr., was one of the most brilliant, Mm. not only actors of the silent film era, because... Mm. He could portray a monster with, uh, he could go from being horrifying and and doing nothing but just with his, his gestures and his face. Right. He could go from being horrifying to being sympathetic yeah. in the same scene. Right. And, but then on the other side, one of the reasons he got so much work is he was one of the first real special effects makeup artists Mm -hmm. on Chaney. And and he did do eventually, he did a few of the talkies. Mm -hmm. Um, He was that like his career, you know, whereas some silent film stars, once talkies came in, they had no jobs anymore Mm -hmm. because, you know, you can't have like, you know, the, the, the heroic guy doing all the heroic poses and, you know, shooting at the bad guys and doing all this stuff. And then when you start the, the sound and he talks like this, Oh, hey, hey, you go- yeah, hey you guys! Yeah, hey you uh, guys! I love you, my dear. <laughs> you know oh, you man. can't have that, right? Yeah. And yeah. so a lot. They I- all sound like that. <laughs> all the Silent bill <laughs> actors sounded that way. <laughs> it's just, it's just a set full of people. Even the women, like, oh no. Don't molest me! (laughs)
2: Help! Help! Somebody come save me!
0: I'm a damsel in distress over here. Chaney had chops, and he had presents, and he had a voice, and, you know, the whole bit. And so he actually did a a few of the the talkies when the the sound came in. Um, But, so then you have... His son, Lon Chaney Jr., wants to get into the business. Right. He wants to, you know, as as Hollywood nepotism works many times. You know, the, of course, the kid, the kids are around. You know that a lot and, of them, their their parents and are casting did, directors. Like, exactly, you know, and, and,
2: and they, she knew how to navigate. Um, Hollywood, and, yeah. and, the, and They've the got parents telling process.
0: them, "Here's what's going to happen. You're going to yeah, walk yeah, in. Exactly. There's going to be this person, this right. person, this person. Yep. You know, you got to focus present. on this person. Yeah.
2: Do that. Do it this way. Do it yeah. that way. And and you know, they have a leg up. But then, you know, some of these actors and actresses turn out to be very good. So that's fine with me. It is. It's just when they're bad, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and it's so- like, how do these people still still get roles? And it's just that it's only because of their name. I don't think he's a good actor. All I'm saying is that maybe we don't spend the next time okay yeah, yeah. all over Lon Chaney Jr. I feel so bad the man's dead.
0: So he he walked in and he and his name's Lon Chaney, <laughs> and so that's how he you know they were like oh we're gonna put you in monster pictures right and you know and and at, like we talked about he um initially was being billed as just Lon Chaney,
2: which he opposed. Yeah, yeah. he wanted Lon Chaney Jr.
0: Because he didn't because he want to didn't fool wanna, people.
2: Exactly. He didn't want people thinking, you know, he was just yeah. dead.
0: So so Lon Chaney Jr., you know, uh, comes in as the Wolfman. So then you get to the point where this movie, Frankenstein meets Wolfman, uh, gets made mm-hmm. and they have to jump through all these hoops now because as we to go <laughs> rewind, <laughs> the Wolfman is dead. Lawrence Talbot is dead at the beginning of Frankenstein meets Wolfman. So, you have to figure out how the hell...
2: Gotta bring him back.
0: Yeah, we can't just have any Wolfman. This is Frankenstein meets Meets the the Wolfman. And so, how do we get him back? Their answer is that somehow, because of the lycanthropy curse, Mm. that, okay, he's not... He's not... Completely dead. He's only mostly dead.
2: He's mostly dead. <laughs> he's not all dead.
0: And <laughs> to believe it, nah. it begins with the two grave robbers right. going in. They're gonna they're gonna just swipe precious because, belongings
2: because Lawrence Talbot in the story comes from a wealthy family. Right. They see the so name Talbot, figure, and, he, figured, and he's in a mausoleum. Right. And so they figure he's. He was probably buried with rings on and watches, and watches and stuff like that 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 they can get money for. Yeah,
0: yeah. So they crack open the coffin, and unfortunately, they they crack it open and he's been buried with uh you know piles of Wolf'sbane right, which they think is weird, but they're like you know these rich people you know <laughs> who knows what they're into, wow. and they start looking for the 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 rings and you know chains and such, yep. and of course. The moon. The moonlight. Mm. Comes, it just
2: happens to be a full moon. It happens
0: to be a full moon, and it
2: happens to be shining through a window that just happened. Okay, like you don't just maybe move, the, have the coffin moved away from the window <laughs> just in case. You know what I mean? You're just like the moon caused this thing before, but whatever.
0: So, so the moonlight yeah. moves and shines on the body and resurrects him. And literally the curse of the wolf, because he immediately starts to turn. So the curse of the wolf resurrects him and he grabs a hold. He kills one of the grave robbers. The other one takes off running. And now the wolf man is out. And, And for the initial part of this story... He's got, like, amnesia. Like, he, he, he knows he's Lawrence Talbot, but he doesn't know how he got where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a mystery. He doesn't know he was dead. Right. You know, that's that's news to him.
2: And nobody believes he's Lawrence Talbot because Lawrence Talbot is
0: dead. dead. And, uh, but, of course, immediately, like, he's in the hospital. Moon, right. Moon comes through the window. He changes again, gets out of the hospital. Right. You know, And so you have a doctor Mm. who is very caring, wants to take, he feels bad for this guy. You know, he's like, this guy seems really out of sorts. He's trying to treat him. um, And, you know, they think he just believes he turns into a wolf. Right. You know, that he's just cracked.
2: Is it, is it, it's kind of funny. It's a bit of a departure, I think, for a character like that to have sympathy for... um you know a creature in one of these movies right they're usually like oh no, no, no we gotta like stop you know this monster or whatever and and this doctor you know they're usually a little stiffer and a little bit more hard yeah yada yada yada. Th- yeah this is a def- this guy is like a he's he actually you know he has a heart and and he and he's a
0: super sensitive portrayal yeah. of a professional at that time period right
2: which is which is not common yeah,
0: yeah. and um and so unfortunately, the way they have to shoehorn this in is that so
2: right. got to meet Frankenstein. So
0: Lawrence Talbot, resurrected with the curse of the werewolf, the only person that he knows that might understand what he's going through, because no one believes him. The doctor doesn't believe him, no one believes him. The only person he knows that might understand him is the gypsy Maleva,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because right. the if you don't know the wolf man, Lawrence Talbot becomes cursed by the werewolf curse because he is bitten by her son, her son yep. Bella, played by
2: who did play Bella Bella um, Lugosi. Oh, Bella Lugosi. Oh yeah, yeah. Bella oh, yeah, Lugosi right. was the
0: original <laughs> that's werewolf.
2: <laughs> that's right. Oh, my he God. he
0: is a he plays a gypsy, yeah, and which works with his accent yeah. <laughs> and. He, uh, he's like a fortune teller in the gypsy camp. That's right. And they yeah. go there to the one girl wants her fortune told, and Bella sees the pentagram in her hand, which is the, the sign when the person cursed with lycanthropy sees the pentagram in someone's hand. That means that they're the next one you're going to kill. Right. It's all this weird lore, right, in The Wolfman. Sure. And so, yeah, so uh, Bella attacks that girl in the woods on the way home, And Lawrence runs to save her. And in the course of trying to save her, she's already dead, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But in the course of trying to save her, he gets bitten, but kills Bella with his silver-headed cane. Right, silver. And then he becomes the wolf. So Lawrence Talbot seeks out Mm Maleva. Can you help me? Please, can you help me? And she says, I've heard of someone that might be able to help. Who? Who? Who could it be? Who could Dr. help? Dr.
2: Henry, Henry Frankenstein.
0: Because in the Universal Pictures, it's not Victor. It is Henry. It's Henry.
2: Yeah. And the best friend, Henry's best friend, is named Victor. Right. So they switch the names. Right. Yeah.
0: And so they go to Germany. Mm-hmm. They travel from uh, Wales. It starts season Wales. Yeah. Cardiff, Wales. And they travel to Germany And to seek out uh, Henry Frankenstein. Well, they get there. They get to, and literally the town is named Frankenstein. Because it's one of those things where it's like, you're named after like the lord of the community, you know, the area. And so the town is named Frankenstein. And so they get there and they go into like the first inn they find. And they ask about, you know, where can we find Dr. Frankenstein? Um, and and they're like, uh, you know, where's his his home, his castle or whatever? Sure. And the the very rude, shitty <laughs> barkeep. Yeah. I mean, this guy's. Uh, we we call yeah. it, We called him German Wilford Brimley. G- German Wilfred. Because he's got a big, like, oh, weird big mustache, handlebar glasses, mustache. Yep, she is a gypsy. And
2: gypsies he, weren't exactly true. He assumes time. that
0: Lawrence Talbot <laughs> is a gypsy as well. <laughs> So, there is a little bit of mm-hmm. racial bias.
1: Sure.
0: Um, but he's in still... In He's <laughs> in Germany in the 30s Germany and 40s. 30s. Um, but he's still a dick.
1: Right.
0: With with a British accent. All the German people have British accents in this. Ooh, yes, except for the Baroness. Right. Who is the only one with a... She's like the descendant of Frankenstein. Right. And she's the only one with a German accent. Right. Um, but, uh, so... Yeah, so they're looking for help, and they find out Henry Frankenstein is dead. Right. The castle is destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Lawrence Talbot is dejected. He's like, I'm shit out of luck. Mm-hmm. So they don't know what to do. They're they're leaving. They're going to, like, leave town. Yeah, you because know, Dickhead Bartender has been like, you need to get the fuck out of here, you right. know? And um, so they're leaving town, and then the full moon comes out. Right. And Larry changes, uh, he and now the townspeople are like, let's get uh. Well, the a, a girl gets murdered.
1: Yes,
0: but they're like, yeah, get get the gypsies, you know. And so they rush off after him. Well, now they're like chasing werewolf Larry Talbot mm-hmm. around in the woods, and he happens to fall into. He just happens to fall yeah. into the ruins of Castle Frankenstein, right? Which the has become an ice cave, it's frozen. Yeah. It's re- for some ha- reason how yeah. it's frozen we no- not, it's not winter. It's not winter. 100%
2: sure.
0: it's yeah. not winter. No. They didn't roll into you know Frankensteinville <laughs> wearing like down coats. Right. And so now he's in wolf form. Right. He doesn't know what the hell to do yeah. or how to get out. Yeah. So he's trapped there, but it hides him from the angry right. townsfolk. Right. So he wakes up eventually after turning back, yep. and as he's looking around trying to figure out where the hell he is in a
2: perfectly cleared-out <laughs> section of ice, he sees a face. He sees a face,
0: and who's behind the ice?
2: Bella Lugosi as Frankenstein. Bella Lugosi as Frankenstein, because, which is interesting. And, and what? Bella Lugosi as Frankenstein, but it's interesting. We talked about it this weekend. Bella Lugosi before Bar- Boris Karloff. Um, was brought on board for the original movie Bela Lugosi the plan was for him to be Frankenstein yeah and he actually he got into the makeup there's a miss um conception out there I think for years that Bela Lugosi after Dracula didn't want to do Frankenstein or whatever but that wasn't really true like he got into the full makeup they did test shooting like he was all aboard um but I'm 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 blanking on kind of exactly what happened, but eventually Boris Karloff was brought in, and obviously he became you know famous for the role. But Bela Lugosi was originally going to be Frankenstein.
0: Which, if you see Frankenstein meets the Wolf Man,
2: probably a good decision. That good Boris Karloff,
0: decision that yeah. Boris Karloff got it, sure. because Bela, Lugo- Bela Lugosi's yeah. portrayal—it's yeah. what you assume Frankenstein is like.
2: Yeah. Right because right. yeah. it's the way
0: he's been portrayed in pop culture
2: sure in all the cartoons so you
0: get the stiff-legged, stiff legged arms. stiff arms out arms oh, straight yeah out, like
2: all of that stuff he and he he
0: walks like a classic and i I actually I do think this because Bellgosi was in white zombie yep. Um, and so I think in his portrayal, he works into it a little bit of that like zombie, zombie type zombie. of
1: sure.
0: movement, you know, but I think that's what his conception was, yeah. whereas um, Boris Karloff could was a little stiff. But he portrayed it as if it's a child learning to walk,
2: well, yeah, and that it was you could see almost the pain in his eyes, yeah, and all that stuff it yeah, his stiffness comes it.
0: from not really knowing how to use his body, yeah. um, but eventually he 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 be loosens up, he yeah. can move, he can right. you know um, which is
2: amazing how you can how you can have such different performances while both being the same character and both mute, right? Yeah. These mute characters, but just the way you move, just the way you kind of use your physicality to portray a character, and Boris Karloff just, wow, he just, he just yeah. nailed it. Yeah, my,
0: my son Jack saw Frankenstein when he was probably like nine, mm. and even he, at that early age, he was like, yeah, he's like a little kid. Yeah. Like, he got it, right. just from Boris Karloff's yeah. portrayal of the monster. If he had seen Bela Lugosi's portrayal, it would have been like any zombie flick or any other, you know, it it, it doesn't have the pathos.
2: Right, right, exactly.
0: So, so he discovers Frankenstein's creation, the creature, the monster, in, trapped in the ice. He unfreezes him. <laughs>
2: Well, he breaks Just ice. by breaking him he out. breaks the ice out because the ice is only, like, a half an inch thick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and apparently, apparently that little bit of thaw is enough to yeah, well, you know, make Frankenstein's monster come again, back. Again,
2: what did we talk about earlier? The story is going to suffer here. Yeah. we got to get these two on screen together and yeah. get them moving. Yeah, we got to hurry up. Right, hurry right, up. That's the only reason that we, we're...
0: We can't show him like weeks of thawing no, him out. No,
2: no, no, no. <laughs> he can't go get a crew and get equipment, and, like, come in and like do this project where they're trying to get him out of the ice. He just has to break him out. In
0: almost every one of these movies, Lon Chaney grabs he somebody by the lapels, <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, like, and oh, shakes them
0: while yelling at them.
2: He's well, he's <laughs> he's trying to portray because. So the character of the wolfman that that they created like you said if you watch Benicio del Toro you kind of see that torture you know that tortured person cuz that's really what the story is it's a curse he's a cursed person which is one
0: of the reasons why even though Frankenstein is absolutely my favorite universal movie and story and I love Dracula the wolfman has always been one of my favorite characters. Wolfman. Yeah. Like yep. the concept of the wolfman because unlike Dracula who in the in the original film you don't get a lot of backstory. You get that with like uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Thing you get all this backstory. Right. Um, but Dracula as portrayed in the Universal film is just evil. He's an evil vampire. Right. He's the he might as well be the devil himself. Right. Yeah. Frankenstein's monster is this misunderstood, shunned behemoth uh, who was created through science and, you know, horrible things happen and it goes awry. But the concept of the Wolfman is something that you can connect with on a human level because he is cursed. He right. didn't intend this. Right. He didn't go out seeking He doesn't want
2: to be the wolf man. He right?
0: doesn't want to turn into a no. wolf. He doesn't want to kill people. He doesn't people.
2: view it as a superpower, yeah. right? You know, he, he yeah.
0: He doesn't want to he realizes every time I do this, someone I someone gets hurt. I lose time, someone dies. Someone dies, yeah. And then I wake up the next day and you know, think of it um Maybe a, a concept for some people might be the the 1970s Incredible Hulk TV series. Bruce Bruce Banner every time he hulks out, and there there is there's a correlation here. Every time he hulks wow. out,
2: he's got to leave town. Whoa! <laughs> Did they base the Incredible Hulk on the concept of the Wolfman?
0: Uh, it, it's actually uh, a little bit more of Jekyll and Hyde.
2: It's more of Jekyll and okay, right? It's Jekyll, and, right? But it, on the but surface, it, it's Jekyll and Hyde. But it is,
0: it is someone who but, is cursed.
2: But the way, yeah, the way that um, at least uh, Bill Bixby portrayed it, right? It's very much it's like very much Lawrence like
0: Talbot, Man. yeah,
2: yeah. Because you wake up, and you almost don't know what happened. Exactly, you know that that whole bit, and and it's not that, um, yeah, because that's the character of the Wolf Man, like you said, and and I'm not saying that Lon Chaney Jr. isn't doing that. He is doing that, but he's doing a very poor job yeah. of it. He's just over the top and, and ridiculous about it. Even the guy from that portrayed the Wolfman in The Monster Squad was more... You, you yeah. identified with him more... He's begging
0: the cops to lock right, him up. Right, right.
2: Kill me, kill me, kill me. you know, And, and Even Michael the,
0: J. Fox in Teen <laughs> Wolf is initially off. like... What the fuck is this? Sure. You know? But then he surfs
2: on then top he, of the van. So Yeah. you know. Yeah. He he didn't think about it that long. Yeah. He yeah. started seeing it as a superpower. Right. Yeah. And then and then well, we're not going to talk about people. Let's just get <laughs> back to it. We could we could do t <laughs> But uh
0: but yeah, so he is he is not uh, hiding it very well. And then um in the scene that's on currently right now, uh, he gets kind of uh, fucked. Because, <laughs> Proper fucked. Yeah, because he is trying his best to salvage. He, he's just grabbed this dude and made a big scene at like the local uh, festival. And uh, then all of a sudden,
2: uh, the monster
0: just uh, decides, I'm going to go check out this festival thing. Oh,
2: yeah, that's right. The monster's still out on the loose. Yeah, yeah
0: and now Lawrence Talbot is like, this guy... this guy guy. is trying to fuck up my deal here. Like, you know? Yeah, sure. So then in front of everyone, Larry Talbot has to like talk the monster down and be like, let's get the F out of here. Right. And that's when the doctor who has tracked him down to this town in Germany, his doctor from Cardiff, Wales, has tracked him down there. And that's when he and the Baroness see that Larry Talbot is... Uh, escaping with the monster that right. they're like together yep. and this is the doctor To honestly to me even though it's this great moment seeing like Frankenstein and the wolf man and the whole bit the doctor's the most interesting character in the whole movie because like you said he's this sensitive doctor who mm-hmm. really cares he tracks his patient to Germany mm-hmm. to try to help him what doctor does this?
2: Just the best doctors.
0: Yeah. yeah. But then, when he discovers... Oh, that stuff that... Uh, the Frankenstein thing that like you hear about whispered in like the realms of medicine and science. Oh, that shit's all true? Yeah. Oh, Larry Talbot really is a wolf man? <laughs> There's actually a monster? And then all of a sudden, he does this strange transformation where he's like... F this, I'm gonna recreate all the experiments. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, he hits a switch. Yeah, Larry, I'm gonna help you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm gonna really help you. Mm. You know, and all of a sudden he gets like super interested in all of this, you know, right reanimated dead tissue stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. But
0: so. but yeah, the 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 payoff of the film yes. is really in the last right. you know, ten, 10 minutes. minutes. Um, as m- many films are.
2: Sure. And we'll talk about how Freddy versus Jason, they, they give you a little bit more. Um, yeah. But, uh, Yeah.
0: They bring them together fairly quick.
2: Well, they're together in this movie, but it's really, you want to see them kind of going at it a little you're bit. You're waiting
0: for when is Larry going to wolf out. Right. And you and right.
2: You're waiting for the fights, the title fight. You know, you're waiting <laughs> for it. And um, and it's in the last ten minutes of the movie, yeah. But in Freddy vs Jason, they they give you a little bit more. Um, they give you two really big scenes of of them going at it, and it's just it's it's awesome. And we'll we'll talk about it in a few minutes. But yeah, um, but yeah. So you know the the story again you know, is going to suffer, but overall, um, overall entertaining no um
0: yeah yeah it's it's one of those where it's it's outlandish it's, it's outlandish it, it's far-fetched
2: certainly the <laughs> well
0: but yeah. it's uh to steal a darcyism it's fun it is fun it's fun yep um you know seeing the these characters come together right. um you know watching bella lugosi Play against type, basically, you know, because he was in many of the films he did before he, you know, as many of these actors, unfortunately, it would happen. Life in the in the movies in the 30s and 40s um, and even 50s was kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Um, you were hot and then you were not. Right. and when you were not the studios would just cut you loose there was no independent film market right. to bring you in and try to help you, <laughs> were they, you know, continue a career right. you, like if, if were you, they
2: unionized at this point?
0: Um, the union I don't know if the union was going uh, I think the union might have popped up in the 50's okay. uh, Um, I would have to look into the history of that to tell you for sure um, but I don't believe so because they, they could just draw, like, there was no, like, you know, no y- protection. there was no protection. Like you yeah. didn't, if you, if you were an actor out of work, there was no, um, kind of internal welfare system to help you out. You, you literally just became poor, Right. you know, if you didn't save your money, right. you know, um, which unfortunately was one of the things that happened to people like Bela Lagosi. Bela Lagosi, you know, struggled, you know he infamously uh, when Ed Wood came along, offering to put him in films. Right. You know Bell Lugosi not understanding that Ed Wood was like kind of the original independent filmmaker. <laughs> you know, right. um, he he was just looking like you know, do I get paid?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, right.
0: and uh, you know, and then you get you know, pull the string, pull the string. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Um, but yeah, that that's what happened to a lot of these. Boris Karloff probably was the success story overall, mm. because Boris Karloff, even into his old age, was still getting parts. Mm-hmm. Um, even when his what
2: do, what do most if they don't know him from Frankenstein, what do they know him from?
0: The Grinch. The Grinch. He is the narrator of the original you hear animated him every Grinch. Christmas. Every Christmas, every Christmas you hear Christmas Boris you hear him Karloff's him over and over and voice. Over, yeah. The voice. His voice. Oh actually became yeah. almost more famous mm. than Interesting. The, than the look of Frankenstein.
2: Your your biggest role of your life is a mute character. Is a mute character, your character but your voice becomes becomes your is the signature. most famous. <laughs> it's
0: crazy. That that voice he had that voice because yeah. he was not originally from England. Mm. And so when he learned English it kind of this weird uh this weird delivery developed. He had that and it, it's unique.
1: And he had this lisp.
0: Yeah. It, it it was this unique thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's no one that had a voice like Boris Karloff. No. No. You have imitators, people imitated them. Sure. But no one has that voice. It's amazing. Yeah. And but he was getting roles in like Roger Corman films. He was getting tel- television appearance, you know, um sure. things. He was he was appearing on uh, variety shows and things like that. But
2: also, again, you know, uh, I alluded to it a little bit earlier. I think, you know, I, well, we talked about it this weekend with Bella Lugosi. And we'll talk about it with Abbott and Costello um, Meets Frankenstein. I would probably venture, I know that Bella Lugosi was a stage actor. Right. Yeah, right. And and so I'm not saying that Bella Lugosi is a bad actor. I we, we we've talked it's, about a, it's how his he's, delivery. He's, he, he delivers he like he's on stage. He he's just magnetic. He's like a magnetic character. But Karloff is the actor, right? Him, right? Is, is that fair?
0: Well, and and because uh, not to say that Bella Lugosi didn't didn't uh, every actor that that starts in theater, especially like works their way up. Mm. But Boris Karloff wanted so bad to be in the theater. He like his first theater job was just sweeping the stage and mm-hmm. stuff like like he wanted it so bad. and he wanted, and they said like when he finally got his first role in the theater, like it was as if he came out of nowhere. He had been prepping himself so hard yeah. like to get into into that uh, profession against you know what everybody else thought he should be doing like he he wanted it like his he has uh brothers his brothers were all these like real successful people
1: wow.
0: and he wanted to be on stage yeah. and it was like this thing where it was like completely against what everybody else in his family was doing but he just wanted it so bad yeah, okay. whereas i think in some ways bella lugosi uh not to say he had it easier, but his, in in Hungary, doing theater in Hungary where he came from, his presence mm. and his delivery, was and he was, vi- and they, people said that when, when you met him in person, Bela Lugosi was hyper magnetic. Mm. He was like, you were interested in everything he had to say, and he would like, Focus on a person, and would yeah, you know? And you sure. felt like you were the only person in the room, right. you know, and that whole kind of thing. He was just—he had that look. You see a young Bela Lugosi, you're look—you might as well be looking at, uh, you know, a Lawrence Olivier or like one of these, which made him. He was a—he was a, he was a ma- in in Europe. Yeah. He was a like a matinee idol right. type,
2: which made him perfect for Dracula. But like like I was I was saying a couple of minutes ago. When you get into Abbott and Costello, and now now in the context of the of having an Abbott and Costello movie, it's right. a comedy, right? So it's going to be funny. So this is going to be lighter. It's a lighter performance. Yeah. It's more of a, I don't want to say a TV a show. A lot more talking. It, it's a lot more dialogue for Bela Lugosi. So part of the charm of Bela Lugosi in Dracula is that his lines are reduced a little bit. And in your left.
0: Everything he says is important.
2: Everything. Yes, you nailed it just then. Yeah, exactly. It's. The dialogue becomes a lot more important. And by not having so much dialogue, it leaves more mystery to the character. And you're even more kind of captivated but creeped out, you know? So it's just more effective. Yeah. Um, You're feeling a lot more. And again, Abney Costello, it's a comedy. You just want to see Dracula. You just want to see the man dress up in the costume and run around the movie. But the performance is, it, it suffers. It, it does. It, yeah. You know, it, It's not It's not like, if you want to see the the quintessential Bela Lugosi performance, watch the original Dracula. Don't watch Abney Costello meets Frankenstein.
1: Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing is that, um, number one, it's telling that they believed that Frankenstein was the draw. Mm-hmm. It's Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, Frankenstein but the Wolfman, but Dracula in it. and the Wolfman are in it. Are in it. Yep. But they didn't use them. No, they didn't. They said meets Frankenstein. Correct. Because that was going to be the draw. Um, secondly, you know, you're looking at by the time you get to Abbott and Costello, which is the fifties. Yep. You know, you're talking late forties, early fifties. Yeah. By the time you get there, these are actors that are trying they're 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 trying their damnedest to continue their career.
2: What made, what worked earlier in their right. career. They're trying right. to recapture... They're struggling. They're struggling and they're trying Abbott and to Abbott Costello are hot. But the problem is the problem is for them, for your Bela Lugosi and Lancini, is that with Frankenstein Meets the Wolf Man, that's what it's focused on. It's focused on Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. So this whole movie is centered around those two people. Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. The center of the movie is, is Lou it? Costello. Yeah. It's not even Bud Abbott either. It's Lou Costello, which, out of the movie, if you watch the movie, is the best.
0: Lou Costello's amazing.
2: He, I mean, he <laughs> he blows everybody out of the water. Oh, like, he's he's a, cr- you're not even close. And like, that's the
0: thing, and I'm not even a huge Abbott and Costello fan, but Lou Costello's a crack-up. He's Lucas an absolute cracker. Lucas one of the guy. most
2: talented on-screen comedians ever. Like, oh yeah, he really is he? He's, his
0: delivery, yeah. his, his if, the the expressions, yeah. the gestures, everything. If
2: he, you watch him, um, you get it. Like yeah. if you just just sit there and and watch and watch Stella, watch
0: him in a scene when other people are talking, yeah, and he's still
2: nah, you're yeah. bringing it. That's right. That's right. And it's all about Lucas. And so my point is. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is more about f- like you know fodder for Lou Costello it's it's what situation fun situations can you put Lou Costello in right and and so the the characters are watered down yeah and and it and and it Boris Karloff is not has did not reprise his role as no it's Glenn I mean, Strange. One of these Glenn Strange was the, movies the monster. And, and Karloff wasn't going to touch. I don't think touch these movies. Right, he wasn't going to do that. He didn't want to. No. I don't think probably.
0: he didn't mind. He didn't mind doing light comedy. Yeah, but he wasn't going to do that character. Right, as light comedy. Right, because that's, because it's it not actually, a light
2: comedy character. Even
0: though he wanted to get away from that character when he after Bacon Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. He enjoyed that character. Sure. He wanted it. Again. He put everything in it. And he respected it. Right. And he was not going to do a light comedy with that character in it.
2: Again, out of the three of them, that's the deepest character. That's the character with the most layers. And that's the one that, well, that had the potential for the most layers, which Karloff brought and Lugosi, you know, unfortunately didn't. But again, context of the movie and all. If this was. We're 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 assuming that Bela Lugosi would have portrayed Frankenstein, you know, the same way he portrayed him in this movie, and Frankenstein is yeah. the Wolfman. Um, maybe not. Maybe he would have gone a little bit deeper, but I, I don't think so. No. I think it was something that Karloff just brought to the role. And yeah, I wouldn't... If I was him, I wouldn't want to water down, you know, my most famous role with something like that. And, and I, no disrespect to Abbott and Costello, because yeah. obviously... It's a it's a very famous movie. I mean, it's it's right? It's it's Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it was super famous, super It was classic. huge. it was, and it was a it, big When movie. it came out, when it was huge. Out, right.
0: Um but yeah, yeah, uh, Bela Lugosi like he didn't mind late, later on in life he would he would do like uh, light comedic scenes for television shows where he played Henry Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. He played the doctor. Yeah. He was okay with that, but he wasn't going to put the, put on the makeup again to make it funny. Right. Like he wouldn't do that. Sure. So yeah, you get to uh, Abbott and Costello, and you see a Bela Lugosi. Bela Lugosi is obviously older. You you know, he's uh, he's still I mean he's still fit as hell. Like he's still climbing out of coffins and everything, but he's he's obviously older. Lon Chaney Jr. is basically doing the same performance he's done in every Wolfman film.
2: He doesn't get any better.
0: He, there, but but I will say he doesn't get any worse. <laughs> like, That's true. He's it's steady Eddie. It's Perhaps the right. same. It's the exact same yep. performance.
2: Like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. He's like the Keanu Reeves of the Universal Monsters. <laughs> now now a side note. I I like Keanu. I get Keanu Reeves is like the nicest person in the world. I get it. I but I, he's I love he's, all that he's stuff. ruined a couple but of but our he favorite has films. Just butchered, <laughs> and I love him in Bill and Ted, but he has butchered. Like for anybody
0: out there that that the only advocate. knows Keanu Reeves from John Wick, like yes, Keanu Reeves, John Wick, amazing, right? But I guess. But I If you watch him in Bram Stoker's Dracula, oh,
2: the worst! He just he, he is a sore thumb. Oh. He is a sore thumb in, in an that otherwise movie. really good. So it's like if you're Gary <laughs> Oldman, I don't think he, you. I don't think Gary Gary Oldman never watches this movie because he's like. Man, I was so fucking good in this movie, and Keanu Reeves just destroys my performance. I have
0: traveled this. oceans oh, of time. time to find you. Yeah. It is the man himself, <laughs> dude. Oh. I'm trapped at Castle Dracula. Yeah,
2: and 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 um, I, I'm not gonna pick on it. Why not We'll eventually. We'll eventually. We'll get, we'll get to this. Maybe. We'll talk all oh about Bram Stoker's
0: God. Dragon. because it is in casting. Decisions. It is in the same breath. Yeah. One of the best Dracula slash vampire films ever made. Yeah. 100%, 100%. In the same breath. Hundred percent. Two of the performances in the film keep it from being a great film.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes.
0: Like it. It basically it had everything in place to be a great legendary. film, a legendary film. Mm. But two performances, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder, unfortunately only kept it being a good film. Sure. Yeah. So we'll just say that. We'll eventually talk about it on an episode one day. Uh, but um, but yeah, it, it's... Uh, so anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. So lot. to wrap
2: up, so to wrap up, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Because I do want to talk about Freddy versus Jason. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Basically, what you're getting is if you're looking to just see a fun movie that brings together these three iconic characters. You're getting what you paid for. If
2: you want to probably introduce your kids to the universal monsters too, it would oh, uh, be a better way. Super of safe doing way. It. Super safe it's way. It's super safe, but there's a lot more going and on. And it would
0: have been a popular kids film. Like that would have been a yeah. film at the time yep. that families could have gone to. Right. And... They're
2: more active, though, is what I mean. So, like the original Dracula and the original Frankenstein and the original Wolfman are probably f- more fun for the older, for an older audience that likes that that um, kind of style of movie and everything. But if you're trying to introduce kids to it with short attention spans, Bella Lugosi, like we just talked about, has a lot more dialogue. There's a lot more going on. You have Abbott and Costello. You have all these hijinks going on throughout the movie, which make it fun and enjoyable and can kind of introduce your kids right to these classic characters and then they can kind of take that into you know when they're maybe a little older 11 12 13 and maybe go back and watch you know Frankenstein yeah yeah
0: and the and the and the, of course you know the way that Abbott and Costello overcome the encounters mm. it's not it's not even so much necessarily that all these uh, characters are Going against each other, you know. For most of the film, you know, Dracula is like controlling Frankenstein and all this kind of stuff. It's more watching Abbott and Costello humorously get one over, right. On these, you okay. know, villainous so characters.
2: You do have to take the movies for what they're supposed to be. So, like, I a lot I, of chase I, running around. I'm a little around, harsh on Bella you know? Lugosi in this movie, and I'm a little a little harsh on Lon Chaney. Uh, in this movie, but um, it's not supposed to be a deep movie. It's just supposed to be fun and it's supposed to be a fun Halloween movie, but I just thought maybe they could have been maybe a little bit better.
0: (laughs) And so we talked early in the episode about you have Universal has the big three, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Mm. and then you come into the 19, well really the, the end of the 1970s And then into the beginning of the 1980s. And you get first Michael Myers. Right. Then you get Jason Voorhees. And then you get Freddy Krueger. Right. And for our generation, for the uh, kids growing up in the 80s and 90s, those become our big three. Correct. And because the studio system by that time wasn't the way it was in the 30s and 40s, these are being produced by different studios, different mm-hmm. companies. Um, however, they're being held up in the same regard as the Universal Monsters. Mm-hmm. And for anybody that somehow doesn't know, you know, Michael Myers, just a guy.
2: Just a guy. It's funny because we, we talk about that those are the big three. And they are. Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, and Jason Voorhees. But Michael stands a little bit apart from because he's, he's not there's not a supernatural. supernatural yeah so so they are the big three they certainly were they were the big three big slasher franchises of the 80s um, and uh, you know they had the masks and Freddie had the makeup and everything so they are the big three but Michael is just kind of on the seems to for me he's on the periphery a little he's just kind of on the outside a little bit.
0: Well, and it is because if you look at, you know, the universal pictures you're talking about, it's all supernatural monsters. It, you know, even though Frankenstein is born of science, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a it's it has a it's supernatural a, feel to it's it. It's a supernatural science. Look, yeah. It's it's more like what they're doing with like, like electricity and all this stuff and <clears throat> chemicals, it's an alchemy, mm. you know, that's happening.
2: Well, alchemy is the way it happened in the book.
0: Yeah. 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 So it's this alchemy as opposed to, you know, pure science. You know, what would have been available at the time. Yeah. Um, so, So yeah, you get Michael Myers, and Jason Voorhees initially is not supernatural. He becomes no, he's supernatural. Not
2: supernatural until the sixth movie.
0: Right. Yep. So Freddy is the one who, pure supernatural, right, right out of the gate.
2: That's how he's written.
0: And it's the age of the slasher. These are not, they're not coming to suck your blood. They're not going to bite you and turn you into them. Right. These are slasher films. Right. the The 80s, the 70s and the 80s became known as the slasher era. Correct. Um, and it wasn't until, and then, and that faded, like all the slasher stuff faded until you get Scream, which then resurrects the slashers. Right. But, so yeah, Freddy is the only one supernatural right out of the gate. You know, he's, Comes in your nightmares and you know kills teenagers in their sleep. Um, Jason Jason Voorhees, uh, like we just said, he is thought to be dead. The in the first film, he is dead. The first film spoiler alert.
1: He's not dead.
0: He's not well. He's not dead, but he's thought to be dead, and it's his mother who's actually right. murdering all the kids right. in re, out of revenge for the death of her son at the camp you find out in the second one after she's killed you find out oh no jason really was alive she just for some reason didn't acknowledge it or realize it but now jason shows up with a bag on his head
2: <laughs> yeah i don't think we ever quite is it is is it a is it a pillowcase
0: i think it's like a more like a burlap potato sack
2: for his yeah, with family. just one eye hole. Does he have a potato
0: garden? And does you can get potato it. sacks around.
2: Where is Jason Voorhees going to get a potato sack?
0: He might have stolen one from the garbage at the general store. Oh, that's true. There's general stores there. That's
2: true. He stole their <laughs> potato
0: sack <and> before. <laughs> this, I thought it was. This like, is before the age base. of Dollar General and Family that's Dollar. Right. Sure. There's general stores. Good point. There's little general stores in towns where you go buy your shit. Yeah. <laughs> For the kids out there. <laughs> so, so yeah, he shows up. He's got a, a burlap sack on his head. And now his mother's been killed. Mm-hmm. He like he discovers, oh, shit, my mom. And so now he's going to kill everybody that he thinks is responsible for the death of his mom mm-hmm. at the camp. You know, he he initially is not like, oh, they treated me bad at camp and I'm going to kill all these people. He initially is like, they fucking killed my mom. I'm going to fucking kill all these people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not till you get into the sort of later tellings of the story that he's also really pissed about the camp thing.
2: Well, right, because <laughs> right, there had to be some kind of other motivation because he actually kills the person responsible for killing his mom. Exactly. In the very beginning of Friday the 13th Part 2, in the first 10 minutes. Right. Spoiler alert. You know, these movies are like 40 years old, yeah. so we can... Okay, but, but, but spoiler
1: alert if you haven't watched the second one. He kills
2: Adrian King's character in the first ten minutes of the movie. Yeah. So just FYI on that. He yeah. he he got his revenge, but he just keeps going.
0: Right, you know? right. And so, yeah, they had to work in that, oh, he's also really pissed about, you know, the, dr- I would be. the drowning thing when sure. he was a kid. Right. Um you know, because nobody paid attention to him because he was kind of the, <laughs> the freaky kid at camp. He wasn't
2: kind of the freaky kid. He was
0: the. Freak...
2: No, I'm, not, I'm not. But we we
0: say we we say we're we're saying freaky in that, in
2: that they that's how that's they how saw they perceived him. him.
0: Right. He actually would would have been considered a special needs child. He, exactly. he had he had a deformity. He,
2: has a, exactly.
0: he had a deformity. He had a learning disability. Yeah. And you know, now today, if that shit had happened he would be the kid that they would be making sure had the best time at camp. And Damn. they'd be like, he'd be getting special care right. and attention. Right. But you have to understand the era that this took oh, place God, in. Man. It's the 80s. Yep. And in the
2: 80s... They didn't tolerate anybody in the 80s.
0: Yeah. <laughs> teens and 20-somethings. Yep. If you were different in any way, shape, or form, and we know some of this shit from first-hand experience. Yeah people were fucking horrible to you.
2: Horrible. horrible. <laughs>
0: like, if you want to get a concept of it, it's not a great movie, but my wife and I just recently watched Totally, totally Killer on Amazon. Mm. And there are quite a few times where the girl in that, she time travels back to the 80s to try to stop a killer. And she encounters eighty sensibilities of what's acceptable to do and say to people. And she comments on it. Right. She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> he can't say that. Yeah. And they're like, why? <laughs> right. And she, like, explains to them why that's a bad thing to say. Right. And they're like, fuck you. <laughs> because that was the 80s. That's that's how, so, so in the 80s at that camp, we're saying the quote would have been. Yeah freaky jason right, <laughs> like, exactly. that's yeah, how they would have referred to suck. him that's... that's how they viewed him Correct. today if that was brad or i dealing right. with a child like that we would have gone hey jason buddy what are you doing okay. come on let's go have some fun over here at the swimming right. hole right. you yeah. know <laughs> like yeah i'm going in with you let's
2: get your floaties on. let's get
0: your floaties on i'm going in with you i'll be with you the whole time that's right you know but back then they were like "Yeah, jason go, go over there and play Go yeah. over there and play. Go over and play by the
2: water. <laughs> yeah, go play by but the. No. <laughs> yeah, is
0: there traffic? Can he go play in the traffic? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah. So Jason gets treated horribly, but then eventually, uh, in part four, what he becomes supernatural.
2: No, no, not in part four. He doesn't technically. He doesn't really become supernatural. It it, it kind of depends on how you view this, right? right? So. After the end of the second one, he she, she kills him with the machete, uh, and she gets him pretty deep into the chest. But he, they show him crawling away, so it wasn't a fatal wound. So you're like, okay. Then so he comes back in the third one. And then in the third one, he gets an axe to the head, which you would think would have killed him. However, if you want to just kind of, you know, just try to explain it he had a hockey mask on so it could have taken the, the, the blunt force of the force of the axe and so it didn't quite the axe didn't bury into his head which were strong enough to ke-
0: we're stretching here we're stretching but i mean but a hockey mask like a real ho- like legal you know ho- usable hockey mask in competition can take some fucking well, there, shit. It's meant to. It's meant, <laughs> it's to, meant to protect, protect your face from
2: from a flying disc, <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> yeah. which, if you ever fell, the hockey puck isn't light. It's yeah, they're pathetic. not.
0: Made, they're not made to easily break. <laughs>
2: right, right. right exactly. So, so you can argue that point. So then, so then he's in four. Now, Tommy Jarvis, Corey Feldman's character, kills him in four. I mean, kills him, kills him, dead, yeah. dead. Right. So it's called the final chapter. They kill him, kill him. So he lands on, you know, um, Tommy hits him in the head with the machete, it buries into his face, and then he falls on the machete and And slides slides (laughs) right into his brain. So so he's like dead dead. And then in the fifth one, it's not. Again, these movies are Forty years old people, so I'm <laughs> sorry that you haven't watched him If if I'm spoiling the, the that's the that's right. In the it. in the fifth but one, in the it's fifth a copycat. It's a copycat killer. It is not him, which is interesting because. Side note: Friday the Thirteenth Part Five actually isn't terrible. It's 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 kind of decent. It's just that it's not Jason. Yeah. So people like, nah, you know. Yeah. Um, but to get back to uh, Supernatural, Jason, it's not until Tommy Jarvis. Can't let this shit go, right? So from from four to five, can because, we say obsessed much? Because what they do do, even in five, it's not Jason, but they continue with the Tommy Jarvis right. uh, storyline. So Tommy Jarvis through the end of four into five, and going into the first couple minutes of six, has not been able to let go of the experience. He's got had PTSD. With Jason. He's got total. He's PTSD. got total PTSD. So he he recruits Horshack to go with him to the graveyard. It is Horshack
0: Yeah, well, what are we doing here, Tommy Jarvis?
2: <laughs> right. I can't believe I agreed to do this. You know? I got a note from my mother. No, right. So, so Horshack and Tommy Jarvis go to the graveyard and um they Tommy Jarvis needs to see Jason's body which, in the coma. Which
0: Horshack was a character from a show called Welcome Back Goddard yeah, <laughs> from, from the from the late seventies. <laughs>
2: more on that ethan's uh podcast right yeah you he's could k. probably podcast. yeah you could
0: probably catch up with ethan k on his podcast right
2: right right. <laughs> so in six he can't let it go so they go to the graveyard they open up the coffin because tommy needs to see that he's dead again tommy can't let it go even yeah. after he sees jason's rotting corpse like it's not like he's fresh in there he you can i see, gotta make you can sure he's Ritz. dead you can see ribs. The worms are crawling all over him. The, he's, Jason is dead, 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 dead. But, as we talked about in the Chopping Mall episode, those darn lightning strikes—yeah, Electricity. So he can't let it go. It's electricity. He,
0: like, they make Jason yeah. the Frankenstein.
2: Now, now, of, now. Yeah, by, because, by six. By six. So this is six years later. This is six movies in. Now he's resurrected because Tommy takes the uh, he takes the um the pole the, the pole it's, from it, the it's something it's from, from the fence. cemetery, yeah. From the fence and he and he and he jabs him with it over and over Right and as right it. as a
0: an electrical storm is Hitting, brewing up. Of
2: course. <laughs> and then the lightning hits the um it acts as a conductor Yeah, it, it acts as it, a lightning rod. It and literally it jolts his home, heart. And it comes back. Yeah, so now magical it's now lightning. Supernatural. So that's the story of Jason becoming. But yeah, so that it's six movies in.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it takes a long time, but he becomes the Frankenstein of you know those three. Correct. Um, you know, and, if, and if, if you wanted to try and make a comparison.
2: Well, but you're 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 right on because now, um, Freddy. Uh, Is really the Dracula because as Dracula as you watch these monster mashup movies, someone has to be the leader, right? Someone has to be controlling and pulling. the And he
0: has the personality that he he can he can. He's the one who talks. He he's the one. one, He's he's the one who talks. So yeah, he's got the personality. He he can be. um, He uses your dreams, so he can be seductive. He He can he can he can. Make you think he's someone else, and and draw you in, Um, and yeah. So and and I mean that leaves Michael Myers, which is kind of funny because Michael Myers, if you follow the logic, oh,
2: man, okay,
0: the curse of Thorn, he becomes no! he becomes the cursed. Thorn. Individual, sure, okay. Eventually, by well, the time that you, was
2: written into our favorite trilogy, by the so
0: time you get to five and so six, so the way we
2: view might view things, we can make that. Yeah, so
0: I mean, it's it's not it's not directly the Wolf Man, right? It's not, but but they turn it into he is the man who is cursed, right? right. So sure, so yeah, so that's where you get our big three. From that's the, where you get the our the big three. They're
2: different, but they are they are the 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 reason it's it's is that. They are the faces of horror. So, like you talked about, the Conjuring, and the Warrens, and Insidious, and all this stuff. But there's no face of horror, right? So, like, they, they've when, tried to create faces like, like the cre- Nun. Like, yeah, they tried
0: to they've tried to bank on the Nun, but, but that hasn't not, it hasn't panned captured. out. So
2: you need guys like now we're, if we're coming to modern day, and you need guys like Art the Clown. You know the kind of and, and Ghostface art was in the nineties yeah. and Art the Clown is now. Those yeah. are now, well, those and, are and Scream
0: is still going. So Scream Art the Clown and going, Ghostface, Ghostface are the, the closest you get to that. Exactly
2: that feeling. Correct. Yeah. So, but they were the they did it in different ways um, than than the Universal monsters did it. But they became the faces of horror. Yeah. Right. So the horror fans go back and forth on yeah. the Mount Rushmore of horror, and it's always our generation always says Freddy. Jason, Michael Myers, and then they throw in Leatherface or Ghostface or whatever. Or maybe Pinhead. Or maybe Pinhead is the fourth one. Chucky. People go back and forth. Yeah. Um, But I've seen the comments like, that's just because it's your generation, right? Like, where? Why didn't you put the Wolfman up there? Why haven't you put Dracula up there? Are you kidding me? When you talk about Halloween costumes, even to this day in 2023. See, you still see a lot. The most of popular ones are werewolves, Ham, vampires, Frankenstein. Werewolves and, yeah, yeah. Yep.
0: So, but yeah. So we get all these franchises throughout the the late seventies, throughout the eighties. Uh, you know, they they build franchises just like with the Universal monsters, uh, where they tried to capitalize on it, and you get you know Bride of Frankenstein, Son, Son of Frankenstein. Of yeah. Mm-hmm. So with these, you're getting you know the multiple iterations of Michael Myers. Right. You know we we've which gone... you
2: need you need multiple movies to get to a monster mashup. You can't just have the original Halloween, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, the original um Fr- well Friday Thirteenth Part Two. Yeah. Uh You know you can't you can't have those movies. This that never... go right into a monster mashup. This... You need. The lore you need those characters to build and build and build and build, yeah. so that when you do have that kind of heavyweight fight, it's like, whoa. yeah, this
0: ne- this like Freddy versus Jason never would have happened if it was Jason's mother Ver- <laughs> Freddy versus, versus, Freddy, versus Freddy versus Freddy Krueger, right, you know. I don't think so. It never would have happened. No. Um, so once once you get the the level of Jason Voorhees being like the Frankenstein of of the that film, that horror film era. Yep. Once you get Freddy Krueger being the dream demon, you know during that era. Once you, they get that big, that's when they're looking to put these characters together. And I remember, even I mean, for years they talked about trying to get all these characters into movies together. Yeah. They could never figure out how to really. Because people talked about getting Michael Myers into some of these films with other characters, but because he's not supernatural, that was one of the obstacles. They felt like it didn't quite. How do we make that work? Sure. If they're supernatural, he's not. What? What do you do? But then once you have Jason as the supernatural behemoth, and Fred, that works more easily. Right. But even then, they couldn't quite. Get these two together.
2: Well, that was a that was a right. So it it, it they, there was plans to do that early on. So what they were gonna do was they had you had your um, Paramount right because Friday uh, uh, I believe the final Friday, so Friday Thirteenth Part Nine in which they kill Jason. Jason goes to hell. They had Jason goes to hell after they had um, Freddy's dead in nineteen ninety one. So. So you've both these characters through,
0: are quote-unquote dead. Yeah,
2: right. So you've gone through all the sequels right up to this point. Freddy's Dead is the sixth one. Um, Final Friday is the ninth one because they, they they really cranked out the Friday the 13th, like year yeah. after year after year. So you had those in 1991 and then 1993, and then the idea was if you saw the end of Friday the 13th Part 9, Jason Goes to Hell, at the end of that when Jason gets dragged down hell, um, Freddy's glove at famously yeah, at the there's end, the, comes up The mask, and, the mask there. is left laying on the ground. Jason's been pulled down into hell, and then Freddie's glove comes up from the ground and grabs the mask and pulls it back underneath down into hell. Yeah. Right. And so and then laughs, right? And so, yeah. that, <laughs> so at the end of that movie, you're in nineteen this is nineteen ninety three. At the end of that movie you fully expect a Freddy versus Jason by 1994, 1995, somewhere around there. Um, right. But that didn't happen. Uh, unfortunately, there were all kinds of script problems. It was really because New Line took the rights. New Line got the rights from Paramount. They made the final Friday. So they had that going. They were able to get the two characters into that movie technically at the end, and it was a teaser. But the script problems that they had, the story problems that you're they also,
0: had you're also dealing with the 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 basically that's you're getting into the at that time the pre scream, the death of the slasher. Genre. People are thinking this is over. We've we. This is this is so. But pl- that's
2: why they killed off Freddy, right? Because this is off- getting they, so played out. It's this getting, is getting played so- out, right? But they figured it would still. In 1993, they had the idea to put these two together on screen because that was the only place kind of left to go, and let's kind of cap off the whole thing with a fun monster mashup. Yeah. But again, script problems. Uh, just really. Um, pushed this movie all the way to 2003. Yeah, is when a, finally yeah. get, it took that it took, it took, ten a years, decade it took 10 years to get these guys uh, together on screen with a viable story and um, and so yeah, that's where we're at now.
0: Whereas with the Universal monsters, because mm-hmm. they're all already under one umbrella and you have uh, a huge impetus by this by Universal Studios, to make these characters keep working for them. That, you know, it it just, for them, it was like, it just fell in place. Like, yes, this is how we're going to do this. Whereas with these other characters, you're dealing with, you know, people having to buy rights and then, sure. you know, okay, well, maybe we bought the rights, but maybe we only have rights to this, 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 and this piece of that lore. And then, oh, but then there's this thing over here, you know, and trying to then make that work. And that's when you run into all these strange problems. That's when you get these films that are uh, held up, you know, like people have wondered why with, you know, uh, the new success of uh, the the new Halloween films, you know, why haven't we gotten any new Friday the 13th? That was held so that was up. A rights issue, that right. was held up in rights, you know. So there's all these behind the scenes. Because
2: they, the, the rights expire. So if you if you have any questions about that, you know, rights expire, obviously, and then they re- will revert back. And there's certain laws, right? So who penned the script, you know, right? Who who ha- actually has the rights? And then this stuff is litigated.
0: Who they, literally came up with that right? character first?
2: Sure. And, and Sean Cunningham, quite frankly, um, I think, got. Screwed. I, nah, uh I, I whatever your, if there's horror fans out there, whatever your opinion of Sean Cunningham is, um, I do believe he, he did get screwed on this. Because Sean he Cunning- hired, Sean he, Cunningham was the director of Sean Friday Cunningham the 13th. Sean came up with all this stuff. Like, yeah. he really did. He was the one who came up with the whole concept and everything. It was him and his partners. They, they, they brought Victor Miller in to write a script they already had the idea for. Like, they didn't, they didn 't go we want to make a slasher movie, Victor. Can you write a script and come up with all this and where we want to do it? They wanted a camp they wanted you know they wanted all this stuff they wanted their Friday the thirteenth movie. Sean Cunningham kind of already had this kind of semi developed in his head, and Victor Miller brought it to life and and he, and he wrote a great script and i 'm not i don 't want to yeah. take anything away from Victor Miller. But he really was a writer for hire, and that was what Sean Cunningham's argument was. Was like, wait a minute, no, 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 this was my brainchild. This, I'm the Wes Craven here. I'm the John Carpenter. No, no." like, Victor Miller just wrote it to what I wanted him to write it to. Right, he didn't like, you know, came up with his brilliant idea on his own.
0: So. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean the the Jason Voorhees that you would iconically know today is Sean Cunningham's that's, creation that's anyway. That's Sean. That's Sean Cunningham's legacy. Yeah, um, you know. So that's the thing. If you're like like you know, we're talked about the Camp Crystal Lake series. If you're going to that thinking you're ever going to see a hockey masked
2: and the problem resurrected is, and, and Jason Voorhees, you're ruin, not going to get. I'm going to ruin these series for you completely. <laughs> you're not going to get Michael, and you're not going to get Freddie. Right. You might get Freddie, possible. You might get Freddie because I think what they're doing is they're going to wait, right? Robert England already said I-, I can't do it anymore. I'm, yeah. I'm out. So no matter what they do, they have to get someone new to play, play, play Freddie anyway. So they have some time here, right? They have some time to play with. They can sit back and see how the Christmas, these other like, ones series play work, out. Yeah. Works out how the Halloween franchise works out on TV and then play to that. Because I think what they're going to find out, this is my prediction. Predictions. What's going to happen is I think initially people are just going to want to they're, they're going to tune in. So I think yeah. the initial ratings are going to be high. Yeah. But as you start to get into the second, because they're going to stream so people will probably be able to stream all 12 episodes. It I'm, depends on they do Maybe, it. maybe. Yeah. But it's probably going to be 10, 11, 12, 13 episodes or whatever. But I think as they start to get into season 2 if they plan to do season 2, season 3, season 4 you're either going to give the audience what they want because I am telling you, we talked about it all the time with Halloween and Season of the Witch and all this stuff. Ultimately this is what they want to see on screen. If it's got Halloween on it, they want to see Michael Myers. Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. They don't Okay, fine. You can make a. You have to make the the series really interesting and captivating, but eventually it's going to wear anyway. You can write the best series for Crystal Lake, and eventually, if it's Crystal Lake, people associate that with Jason Voorhees. They are going to want to see him as an adult Jason,
0: and they want to see the hockey mask.
2: And the problem is, is Victor Miller is the producer, uh, is the when and he doesn't have producer, the rights to the hockey Sean mask. Cunningham isn't going to he's going to let this thing die. He's going to go, "All right, fine. Do it. Watch how this thing fails. You're going to need to eventually knock on my door. Yeah. With a whole lot of money. And then I'll give you rights to I'll give you permission to use yeah
0: yeah you're never you're not going to see a hockey mask yeah
2: you you're you're not going to be able to get to seasons uh two three and four of these series without seeing the main antagonist that everybody has associated with the franchise for years it's just impossible and to be
0: to be honest i don't even know if they could even legally be able to like do like a, a fake out like somebody pops up with a hockey mask and then whips it off and it's just some character like
2: Sean Cunningham,
0: his lawyer will be on the phone. He is so ready to <laughs> counter
2: sue. Like no way. Absolutely not. No. Um, so, and, and, and side note, if you want to like learn a little bit more about, uh, about this stuff, I highly recommend that you follow Larry Zerner. If you have a Twitter account or an X account or whatever, Larry Zerner uh, played Shelley in the uh, Friday the 13th Part 3, um, and he became an entertainment lawyer. And he has been, the, quite honestly, the primary source of information for horror fans to kind of keep them informed about what's going on with the lawsuit. So if you want to learn more about this stuff, the the, the rights... Um, for these franchises, follow Larry Zerner. Um, it, it's it's an interesting follow, and he has a lot of great information. Well.
0: From me, and me. Thanks for listening, and remember, the broadcast is coming from inside the house. Perfect. <laughs>